Welcome to First Generation Burden, a series of conversations with immigrants and the children of immigrants. My name is Rich Tu and I'm your host. This is episode 37, right in the middle of season 5, and we have a really special guest today and someone who's a really good friend of mine. His name is Adam Garcia. He's currently on the creative team for Apple Music. Also, he created the company The Pressure, which I'm sure a lot of you have heard of. And previously, he was an associate creative director at Instrument, and before that, he actually worked at Nike for quite a while and was on the Yeezy 2 design team. Um, And he also had some really interesting conversations with Kanye West. Uh, We dip a little bit into that, but for the most part, we talk about his Mexican identity and being born in Corpus Christi, Texas, and growing up poor in Minnesota with a single mother, and how his identity started to crystallize after being mistaken for white. So this is a really uh, interesting and also fun conversation, because we hadn't seen each other for almost two years by the time we'd jumped onto the microphone. So up top, we're catching up and we're just having a lot of laughs and we're just dipping right back in like we'd never left off. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. It's just two friends having a grand old time. And at the very end, he reads not from his podcast, uh, which is called Dope Excerpts, but in the style of his reading podcast um check it out you'll see you'll hear it at the end so that said without further ado here's our conversation with adam garcia Mm. Uh let me know if if that's uh, at your proper jaw height this is so (laughs) this is so odd i know this is like uh, i feel like a a child like a tiny person with a table at my chin i know yeah and i love it it's humbling yeah for the listener we are uh, we are in front of one of those standing desks that like that rises and falls uh, by a virtue of electronics, but then it just kind of looks like a an Andy Kaufman style uh, talk show. Also, I'm looking underneath the, the mechanical standing desk that moves by virtue of electronics, and it's got like it's got like a full on tank tread. Have you seen this thing? Yeah, it's crazy. Exactly. That's like what Indiana Jones was uh, trying not to get eaten by in uh, The Last Crusade. Yeah. So how are you liking California, dude? <laughs> I am. I'm liking California way more than I thought I would. And um, part of the reason I sound like I have a monologue ready. Part of the reason I thought I, I like I, I today I had I take a lot of lifts. Today sure. I had two lift conversations that were both about what it means to be in LA and sure. these conversations I have with absolute strangers end up being so philosophical and like life affirming. Right. And, um, every time I have one of those, I leave kind of like loving the city even more. Right. And I realize it's because of the conversations I'm having and hearing other people's perspectives on the city. And it's pretty dope. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. You're one of the people that actually likes to talk in the car. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, you had that Instagram account, too, where, yeah. <laughs> where it was about yeah. the stories. I get lifted, Rich. I get so lifted. Hollywood Adam in the back seat having dope conversations with strangers. I, uh, Yeah, it's great. And I feel like I'm making weird friends. And I'm like, everyone I get out of the car, and I'm like, I'm probably never going to see you again. Right. But I feel like we're family. And then we give each other that knowing glance. And then they peel off, leaving me in a... <laughs> puff of dirt in the yeah, street yeah exactly <laughs> uh three-star rating <laughs> yeah 
what are you doing out here? I know you work for Beats. And also for the listener, you and I, I felt like I spent almost every weekend, weekend plus with you in yeah. Portland. My most vivid memories of hanging out with you. By the way, uh, I know I've said it, but I fucking love that you're here right now. And yeah. we are literally catching up in real time on the microphone, which is Yeah, this is incredible. not rehearsed, people. No, this is not. This is real catching up. Seriously, I haven't seen you in two and a half years. Yeah. And wow. I've just seen you for like five minutes. Yeah. And um, you look younger and i look so much older it's so weird is that <laughs> I genetics disagree with that um well my uh my placenta scrub in the morning is you know that's the smell yeah <laughs> it's a doctor jart <laughs> uh oh i don't know i just uh, i definitely had a you know clean shave today and also this vitamin d out here it was, yeah. it was a good summer true and I, I rested well last night, even though I was out. I was at The Friend last night. You ever been to that spot? Oh, it's called The Friend? Yeah. I've never heard of it. Uh, it's actually a cool little uh, bar club situation. A good friend of mine, shout out to Che Morales, he brought me out to uh, a Capitol Records party. Cool. And uh, I got a free bucket hat. And I was hoping to wear it today, but then my shirt didn't feel like it went with the bucket hat. So yeah, I decided not hat? to. It's white. Is uh, it like terry cloth? It actually no, not terry cloth. It's more of like a like a thicker denim. Mm. Um, it actually feels like real denim. Like I could actually make pants out of it. Well, salvage. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The salvage bucket. <laughs> salvage bucket, and uh, with a stitched graphic on the front that says "Wild Girl," but it's in Celtic lettering. Oh, yeah. But then uh, it's it it's, looks like in such a way where it could be either "Mild Girl" or "Wild Girl." Oh wow! Really? Yeah. So it's existing between the dichotomy of wild and mild. Exactly. Like a Schrodinger's hat situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the Gemini man of hats. <laughs> it could be, which Will Smith do you want? <laughs> Great. Yeah, so like if I saw you on the street, like if I didn't know you and I saw you on the street mm-hmm. and you kind of like turned a corner and you had that hat on and I read it, like I wouldn't know, I wouldn't know what to think, I feel like. Yeah, exactly. That's um, cool. It's a confusing hat. It's like a, one of those masks that you wear so that tigers don't attack you from the back. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. That's dope. Yeah, apparently. So back in Portland, yes. we used to roll thick as thieves. Thick as fuck. Yeah. We, yeah, all the time. My my best memories of hanging out with you, there's so many good ones, but <laughs> the one night you, me, and Anton were at Tilt. Shout out Anton Pearson. Absolutely. Oh, and I see Anton all the time. So, yeah, so shout out Anton. Love you, guy. Um, we uh, that's actually why I feel we are still so I'm, I'm so much in your presence because I still see Anton yeah. and I see Amanda from time to time okay. and um, a lot of those peeps. So shout uh, out Amanda, shout out Amanda George, holding it down. Uh, we we were at Tilt and then you walked us through a, a storytelling game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where we built an entire universe, uh, not unlike um, a role playing like D and D type situation. Yeah. And we got really drunk. We were doing it for like four hours. It was fucking awesome. Yeah. And I was getting a, yeah, I take, I take role playing games really seriously. And like everyone was there drinking, having a good time. And I was like, all right, let's have less fun and let's play this game I brought you. But then I kind of loosened up and I was like, this is about, you know, being playful and collaborating. So Adam, get your head out of your own ass and just have a good time. And it was dope. The game is called Microscope. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have to like write down our own cards and yeah. Yeah, it was like building upon building. Yeah. It was like macro into the micro. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty dope. And then cool my, game. Yeah, very cool game. My other favorite memory of hanging out with you was our old man B-Boy Cypher that we had at 11 Dance Coast Studio. Do you oh, remember this? Yeah, yeah. We went with Wee Fam. Yeah. Shout out to Wee. 
And uh, it was a Sunday afternoon, mm-hmm. and we we all looked at looked at ourselves in a big mirror and wiggled for a couple hours and got really sweaty and realized the weight of our own mortality. <laughs> The weight of our own bodies and our own mortality. Yeah, you're like, oh yeah, we are all gonna die. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember after 30 minutes, and by the way, this cipher had like you know straight up like kids like in potentially high school, like in college, <laughs> who were just like you know with you know rockets up their butt, just like going nuts. Yeah. And then we were in it for. I remember me personally, I was I was dancing for like 20 minutes. I was like, oh, I can't. I'm just gonna yeah. sit. We do very different kind of. I mean, you were doing more b boy on the ground stuff. Yes. Which probably requires more energy right the kind of dancing i was doing a little you know it takes a little bit of limberness and rhythm but like right. popping it's like a little bit of flexibility it's not a lot of ground stuff so yeah. you can stay you cannot sweat easier that's true so to be fair yeah that's true you could also um do it in a more isolated area yeah for sure yeah i don't get upside down <laughs> that's true yeah, yeah that's true um, you don't have to worry about the top of your head riveting content <laughs> this is actually probably good content yeah. I bet the listener loves this shit yeah. um, no that was uh, that I wasn't I wasn't critiquing our content I was letting people know if they didn't know that this is riveting content <laughs> <laughs> every once in a while I'm just gonna go riveting content so they know like a like a timestamp. you know yeah exactly. <laughs> they'll be oh shit i forgot that's oh. like your funk master flex bomb yeah 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 it's like riveting content riveting content <laughs> oh my god so so that was a great preamble um so thanks for coming on to the podcast on the first generation burden um it's beautiful that you're here. It's beautiful to have a, a good friend up in this space. The way we begin this podcast every week is to tell the listener a little bit about who you are and where we're from. And I know we started with a lot, but uh, I'd love for you to kick it off that way. Sure. Yeah. I'm stoked to be having a conversation with you. The fact that it gets to be shared is cool. I'm only a little uh, insecure about it. Um, uh, the podcast itself, first of all, is so dope. And I'm like, not proud in a condescending way, but like, it's just dope uh, that you're doing it and that you're letting other people share stories. Oh, dude. Because like, you know, we talk a lot about making physical spaces for people, like bringing people together to create community and to have conversations in, uh, you know, IRL. But this, this is the necessary step that expands that idea. You know, these are spaces as well for those stories. And it's just so dope. And I'm super uh, stoked to be, uh, be chatting. Um, yeah, what up? My name is Adam Garcia. I'm from uh, Minnesota. And uh, what do you mean by where you're from? Oh, just like um, <laughs> <laughs> cultural heritage, sure. anything related to that. And I know that we talked a little bit earlier about like uh, concerns in that space, but you know, uh, it's just it's just good to share stories in general. For so. sure. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I'm from Minnesota. I was born in uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. So my father is full-blooded Mexicano, considers himself Tejano from Southern Texas. Um, but he's actually like fourth generation, like Texan. Got it. So these are Spanish-speaking Mexican-Americans that live in Southern Texas that don't necessarily consider themselves Mexican nor, you know, like white American. Right. Just specific um, to the region. Yeah, super specific to the region. Uh, I never knew him growing up. Because when he was like two, he left. Um, we moved up to Minnesota. My mom is half white, half half Mexican American. Her father. Oh, what's the white half? Uh, last name is Nichols, but that's actually a fabricated name. 
Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, it was weird. I don't think I knew that Ameri- about you. Ameri- America's weird. Like America's, this is the ways we get here. Facts are interesting and weird, and everyone has crazy stories. Riveting yeah, content. Like my, riveting content. <laughs> uh, my mom is, looks super white, and blonde hair, super white. All her brothers and sisters look mad white. But they spent decades in Southern Texas, becoming a part of you know uh, Southern Southern Texas, like border, like Mission McAllen area. And um, I think my mom considers herself more like Mexican American than she does white, actually. Um, but her father, his name is Joe Nichols. Uh, he passed away the day before I was born, coincidentally. Uh, his real name is Jose Carrejo. So he's from from Mexico, born in Mexico to Amelia Carrejo, who has like 200 descendants, you know. Um, and he's really light skinned. When this dude Jose moved to uh, moved to America, he started to kind of whitewash himself intentionally because he didn't want to be. Um, he wanted to do something different with his life. I think of and probably because of fear of like other shit. I don't really know the the full story of why, but he um, went to war. Legally changed his name to Joe Nichols. So that's like I don't know wow. where he got the name. And now my mom has all these brothers and sisters named Joe Nichols, and I don't know where that name came from. Yeah, I may have pieces. I'm sure I have pieces of the story that are missing because I've heard like all these different familial stories through the years. Um, my father was a Garcia, so my name is Adan Garcia. His name is also Adan Garcia. His dad's name is Adan Garcia, but I never knew them. Got it. So I met him a couple times, and I found out he passed away in like 2007. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been interesting. I was always like, you know. I'm like I was like light caramel as a kid, and and growing up in like Southern Minnesota, you're kind of like that uh, Canelo Alvarez <laughs> type of vibe minus the red hair. Yeah, because you're you're a big you. dude too. Thank you. Yeah, you're a big handsome dude. All right, I'll take that. Yeah, you should and, take that. And that is that is riveting content. I'd say <laughs> the facts. Um, so yeah, I always grew up like out of all my cousins, I was the darkest at like you know a light a light butterscotchy tone when in the summertime. Um, and I was always like, who, yeah, like, what is, what is this? You know, like, why, why do we look different than all these cats? And my mom would speak Spanish at home. And she'd always tell me that I was Mexican and like really strong. We had, you know, my, my house when I was a kid growing up or whatever apartment or trailer we lived in or whatever, always full of all this like Mexican shit. Oh, interesting. You know, always. And, and like what, like, what does that oh, visually like, materialize itself as? Like, uh, I know some of y'all know the like Mexican, um, glass paintings of like birds of paradise in green paint with like gold feathers with the gold frame, like Aztec wooden uh, relief cutouts that hang on our walls and, um, you know, Guadalupe's and Mary's and rosary beads. And like, and that was all my mom bringing that back from South Texas to Minnesota with her mm. and like some of my aunts, you know? Yeah. So it was kind of interesting. So I ended up getting to a point where I was like, like, where's this shit from? Right. Because, like, none of my friends have this stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, when cool. you go to your friends' houses, they're like, yeah. what? Yeah. I was like, it's very different. It's really different. And then, you know, learning more about my dad over They eat bologna sandwiches. This is different. <laughs> we, had bolo- we, ha- we had bologna. Oh, got it. Oh, you had bologna? Oh, oh yeah, we had bologna. Okay, interesting. Um, we, we call it bologna. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've heard. But, yeah, I man, grew up, you know, grew up super poor and um, did, did the whole, like, welfare, Section 8, you know, wick. Is that true? I didn't know that. Yeah, man, I was in Minnesota. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, my mom. My mom uh, worked on factories in Texas. She went to school for microbiology, like way back in the day when she was at in Texas, and then like 
started working at factories, met, met some dudes, got divorced from some dudes that she found out like had other families. So, you know, never really had like a consistent dude in her life. She's like super strong, independent woman bouncing around. Right. Power to that. Power to that. Had me and then moved with me and my dad up to Minnesota. After a little while, she basically like kicked him out, I think, um, is the story I, I, I think is real. Got it. Because um, initially my whole life, I was like, this dude left. Fuck this dude. And then one day she's like, oh, no, no, no. He just didn't want to work. So I kicked him out. And I was like, what? That totally changed my paradigm of who I was and who he was. Yeah. And I never got to make that reconciliation before he passed away. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I thought he left. And I'm like, oh, wait, you kicked him out? Right. What? Where'd that, when, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, and I know. And how does that make you feel now? At the time, I can imagine like a level of shock. But right now, have you found peace in any of that? Or is it more just like part of the what do you accept to be your own personal background? Yeah, I never, I mean, I never wasn't peaceful, quote, you know, like with it. I was never mad. I was never like angry. I never, you know, even though I was kind of like, what's up? Even though, you know, even though I wasn't like, I was like, what's up with this? Uh, I never, I never felt like a lot of inner turmoil around identity, partially because I think a lot of, a lot of people think I'm white. You know, they think I'm like, Italian or right. something, you know what I mean? Fair, or they'll be yeah. like, what are you? And I'm like, oh, leave me alone. Right. Um, the Garcia part though. Yeah. I'll be like, Listen, yeah, what's my last name, fool? You know, like you can figure it out <laughs> if you know anything. Yeah, about, if you know like, anything <laughs> about planet Earth <laughs> yeah. at all. Um, but uh, I have some interesting stuff that happens. I mean, just around identity, like because, because of being, you know, there's a lot of people that are like, that is a white dude. And I think I've never identified as white, you know, but I've never been like, I'm not white unless someone white does that to me. Because then I have to check them on their presumptions over who people are and how you judge people by what they look like. Sure. Because that's unfair. It's like being like, fuck all these, fuck all these people that look white here because they're dumb white Americans and be like, oh wait, some of them are actually from Canada or France and have vastly different perspectives than we have being Americans or being a white American. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. You can't, until you know, you can't really throw those kind of judgments around. Yeah, like how can one even assume? I was in a meeting the other day. um, Actually, it was for Design Week Portland. Uh, Shout out Seely Pines and Rachel Coddington and the whole Design Week Portland crew. They do a really dope week-long creative community building thing out there that activates the whole city and so uh, dope it's so dope and it's really diverse are you it's, doing another talk show um i don't i don't know we'll see if celian instrument let me come back up um oh, but, are uh, your friends still <laughs> yeah we're all good we know oh, we, we're good. great they're family but uh we just haven't talked about it we've been busy but um celia does a really good job of making it incredibly inclusive and she has created a board of people that oversee every single event that comes in the door. And this board is like a group of all, like 15 mostly women. I think there's two dudes on it. And the last meeting that I was at uh, months ago, I was the only dude in it because the other dude couldn't make it. Mm. So it was like 12 women in this room and then me. And we're going through hundreds and hundreds of submissions for events. And we're like, 
is this credible? Is their system for like making money smart? Do mm-hmm. they have a marketing behind that? Can we help them? It's all nonprofit, right? It's all nonprofit. Yeah. What are the what are the things that we need to bubble to the top? You know that needs to be spoken about, and also like what's what comes off as I like, suspect, and should we have conversations with these people about like making it better and having a better perspective, like in the field or whatever? Right. And we talked a lot about. You know, these are buzzwords, buzzwords, but we talked about like inclusivity because yeah. Portland is a pretty white city, and we're like, we need to make sure that this shit's fair for fair for everybody, yep. and we need to make sure that we, as the board, uh, start there. So, like, make sure the featured programming is focused on these things, right? And we got up to leave, and there was a white woman that runs an agency <laughs> in in her like early fifties. And as we got up to leave, everyone's cool. We all hugged. It was a great meeting. Super proud to be there. And she got up and she was like, hey, thanks for being the white male contingency. Oh, jeez. And I, I've i never, <clears throat> I've, I've never been like. But did she say that there must have been a hint of sarcasm there? No, no. She just didn't know me. Thought I was like, you know what I mean? Which is fine right. that I'm Thanks not Thanks for speaking known. to the majority of Portland, the white male that's the thing. That's the thing that I was specifically talking to where I was like, um, thank and you. And shout out to Portland. I love Portland. Yeah, Portland's dope. But still, like those are the kind of presumptive judgments, you know, not about me exactly, but kind of about everyone. Like the point is that we don't look around and immediately make assumptions about people. Right. That's kind of why we were in that room doing that thing. We're like, how do we create events that open the minds of our community? You right. know what I mean? And I think at the end to have someone just be like, hey, thanks for da 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 da. And she was kind of joking, but she joked in a way where she thought that I was like a white design dude from Portland. Yeah. Which I'm not. Right. You know, like I don't necessarily identify as like just a designer and I don't identify as white. I know. And, it, and, it, and I was kind of like, my last name's Garcia. And, and she's like, oh. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm like Mexican American. And then I walked out of the room <laughs> and. Did you do the thing where you just like kind of uh, cobra neck just slightly while you walked away? <laughs> yeah, I disappeared in a puff of smoke. <laughs> was I ever here? Um, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, is it's that kind of stuff. So, those are moments that every time that kind of thing happens around me, my sense of identity crystallizes. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm not that. Right. I'm not a white dude. You know, my experience in America hasn't been from the point of view of a normal white dude. And I don't identify as that, you yeah. know, like, um, and I never have existed in that. You know, I just like, that's, that's not my shit. No, I hear you. Like, what, what do you think it's been like? Yeah. You know, I guess pre-Trump and post-Trump in the past couple of years, like the conversation of identity has been so um, intense. Mm -hmm. And I know this podcast uh, deals a lot with those issues. And also like even the friend circles that I know you and I to both have the question of identity has been really about, at least for me, like, uh, like how, how does one find their indigenous self or rediscover Mm -hmm. what their indigenous self is or create that line back? Um, Have you thought about, you know, what is like Adam 2019 currently versus Adam, you know, uh, let's say October <laughs> 2016. Uh, like pre, pre. Yeah. Well, we Trump all thought things crash. were gravy. Um, I don't think it's been a direct like indigenous, you know, I need to get in touch with my roots. Right. I don't mean to place that on yeah, you either. No, 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 not at all. That's just my personal journey. I think it's a great, that's a great question. Um, 
I've definitely done a little more reading about this stuff. I went to Mexico last year at this time. Oh, you really? Know, you you know, know, how often do you go back to Mexico? Back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about back to Mexico. Yeah. I was born in like Texas and raised in Fair, fair. I, I still say like go back to the Philippines. I was born in New Jersey. Doesn't <laughs> yeah. fucking mean do you, anything. Do you get to go home? Yeah. Well, yeah, when are you going to go back to Mexico? <laughs> yeah. Just go like back to Mexico. I know. So fucking presumptive. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is funny. Um, it wasn't presumptive at all. Uh, I go back once and that was last <laughs> that was last that was last october i went back for a bachelor party it was fucking yeah, crazy and that was not a finding oneself trip that was a me and my me and my girlfriend were like let's go spend dios de los muertos yeah. in you know mexico city that's and what's up it was it was rad it was really hard yeah it was like some like i got really physically Get our cocoa sick. on yeah i got super physically sick when i was there oh they you got shut, montezuma's revenge I got something yeah I got all the, uh, they turned all the water off in the city for three days. Ooh, yeah. So we were, um, yeah, we were uh, buzzing. You Sounds know? like a bodily challenge. It was, yeah, it was a bodily challenge. It was, um, but it was ill. Got it. It was unlike any, you know, it was ill. Yeah. And, and being in Mexico, there was nothing about it that was like, this is my home. You know, yeah, but yeah. but I I was like, because um, I know that like I I can't identify as a person from Mexico, right? I barely speak Spanish, you know. Right. So much of the culture is lost on me. Uh, I'm I'm a person of mixed race, raised in Minnesota in a low income home by a single mother who grew up. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. my that's my story. Yeah, you know? totally. Like, so, um, how'd you get into? Uh Popping, locking, yeah, b boy culture, dude. I want to talk. I want to ask you some questions. Yeah, go for it, please. I love that. We'll get back to. I'll tell you how to get into popping and locking. I thought it looked cool when I started doing it. Yeah, (laughs) and I still do it. I still follow along. Come at me. Um, but uh, but anyway, five elements. (laughs) So I haven't seen you for like five. So five elements of hip hop are b boying, b boying, graffiti, DJing, MCing, podcasting, podcasting. Yeah, Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. Uh, Is it wait? No, it's five, not four. It's five. What is that fifth element? I, I think I've heard it's style. I've heard heart, soul, history. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's made up four elements. Is There's yeah. four core elements. And then... Oh, wait, they, wait, am I wrong in thinking that there's five? I'm wrong in thinking there's five. Yeah, four, b-boying, so like dance, yeah, graffiti. Right. <clears throat> it's a visual part. And right, then emceeing. And then uh, DJing. And then a lot of people say the fifth. Like if you talk to like the guys from Rocksteady. Yeah. Which I don't do often. Yeah. But like, like Mr. Wiggles, they'll be like, yeah, the fifth element is style. Or, you know, like how you crease your pants. <laughs> yeah. And like like having flavor. Like being fresh. I'm like, is that an element? Yeah, is that an element? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But is I'm the way I treat my one. facial hair an element? I don't know, Mr. Wiggles. Have you seen his facial hair? Yeah. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Like yeah. he he's, he keeps it on point. Yeah. He's very on point. Shout out to my boy Why Not also from uh, Oh yeah, why man, that dude. I've never met that dude, but he can move. Dude, I remember he used to go by the name shit. We're talking about you even though you're not here. Uh I <laughs> he's from Jersey. Yeah. Um well, he sp- he spent like a lot of time in Jersey and he was part of Rocco Finesse. Okay. We're talking about we're talking about dancing, y'all. Yeah, Hip hop like, dancing, b boying. Exactly. Yeah. So these are this is a b boying legend. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, very much b boying legend. Also like a top rock god. Top rock ramen god. Yeah, top <laughs> top rock god, G A W D. And I remember he used to go by the name boo boo um um yeah when he was part of uh, uh 
Rocco Finesse. Used to wear a lot of Band-Aids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, just like, like real sensitive, real sensitive skin. Just got to get a lot of raspberries. <laughs> so we, he was fucking amazing. And then uh, we just heard about this legend in, in Jersey that was just killing it, joined uh, Rocco Finesse. And then he ended up um, placing really high at this one Rock City anniversary in New York in like 97, 98. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were all like, holy shit. And then we heard that he'd only been b-boying for like a year at that time. Whoa. And, uh, yeah, he's killing it. Fucking phenom. And then I remember we were in a basement session at my boy uh, uh, Chris's house. Shout out to Chris, uh, Tech521 uh, on uh, AIM screen name. Uh, Mike Fiesta's <laughs> cousin. Shout out to Condorella and uh, from EDK crew. And then we were all in the fucking... <laughs> <laughs> so deep. I know. So deep. So specific. That's tight. And, yeah, only eight people know what the fuck I'm talking about. So we were in the basement and then... Uh, Boo Boo comes through and then he just continues to just like it it's so crazy when you in your in your own home context and then a foreign element shows up uh, or an element that's not native to your own uh, uh, you know everyday experience and then completely blows you out of the water and then Mm -hmm. makes you realize holy fucking shit we're not doing nearly enough that's cool (laughs) yeah like we were just we were on a little uh, linoleum square and he was just killing it on just the tiny square utilizing the space in ways we hadn't even thought Love that. and threading like a motherfucker too yeah like really um at the, just the beginnings of when Kamel how would, was how would you off. how would so that, yeah early boogie brats Kamel shout out migus exactly oh um, my god did you see you, he battled again recently yeah uh you talking about migus or Kamel? uh migus i didn't see migus battle no yeah he, he kind of did like one of those like you know um it's like judges showcase type things no, like, not, not even it's like a like a legends battle oh against uh, who i forget but it was was he threatened um, he was threatened. I mean, obviously, like you saw the slivers there, but I'm thinking like, oh, I would love to see him just, you, I feel like we just put in another year in. How would you describe to the cast that are listening that are like threading? Like, what do you, how do you describe threading? Right. So, so within b-boying, let's say just basic. Uh, and b-boying is what breakdancing. y'all call breakdancing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. What the world calls breakdancing. <laughs> Um, the misnomer. The peons. Um, no, so within within b-boy culture um, and then the, the dance, like the very basics of it are top rock. That's like what you do upright. That's your preamble to when you get to the floor. And this is like independent of like, you know, air flares and windmills, right? Um, and any sort of power. So let's say top rock, footwork, which is the thing where a person just like uses their feet to kind of go around their arms. And then they do a freeze at the end. So there are three main components. And then within your footwork section, um, that can that's very open to interpretation and individual style, right? So uh, threading is when you take your leg, uh, let's say you take your right leg, so listeners, take your left hand and then uh, hold like hold your right foot and I'm then try it. to- I'm doing it along with you right now. Exactly, and try to thread your left leg through your through that, um, that loop that you've created with your left arm and your right foot. And that's a basic thread. So people can thread like that on the floor or they can thread standing up, they'll basically jump through their own hand you'll see it in like you know even like old school b-boy videos cool modi's crew like exactly. scoop the scrap lover and all that. <laughs> yeah precisely yeah. um <clears throat> yeah so like old school like soul train shit um so th- that's a basic thread and then you can take that move and basically do so much stuff with it and then migus um back in the day he used to call himself vengeance uh, he uh he was the thread god mm. and basically uh, turned that into an entire uh, dancing aesthetic. And then mysteriously 
fell off the scene and then um, went away. He became like um, like the uh, the Bobby Fisher of b boying. <laughs> yeah. Where we're just like, yo, Migas, come back, yeah, please. So good and so kind. Like I so him, kind. They were they were uh, at the time he was in Toronto mm-hmm. and Kamel was an incredible street dancer living in New York and he moved up to Toronto to live to like practice with those cats, right. Boogie Brats, in late nineties, early two thousands. They came to Minnesota once and we all practiced together. Mm. And Kamel was like. And what are the crews in Minnesota? Uh, my crew is Battle Cats. Yes. Um, and well, at first I had a crew called Ill Effects, which I named. <laughs> uh, and then uh, and then we got absorbed by Battle Cats. And then that was kind of like our crew back in the day. There's some other crews like Groove Nuts, um, which was cool. Uh, those are the homies. And uh, wasn't your boy Light? Daylight. Daylight. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Damien yes, Day. Yes. Daylight. He created the crew. Feel it. OGs. Got it. And he Mario. placed in a Pro-Am 99. Yeah, he was a Red Bull dancer for a little bit, too. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was like classic, like, um, one-on-one, but like eight battle. Yep. With that, with that crazy, like, overhead camera, fucking drone camera. Yeah, <laughs> so weird. This um, does from the ceiling of a gym. Yeah, Daylight, like, kind of created what they call stacking. So do you know like B-Boy Crumbs and Rewind? Yeah, of course, yeah. Arista and those cast style elements. So Did he create stacking? He... Do you think... Was it I mean, Daylight I then Crumbs or Crumbs then Daylight or probably, Parallel Thought? You know, it was probably... Honestly, it was probably Crumbs, but the way Daylight could do it, like Daylight was so little and so, so light, you know, he could be upside down in a second and yeah. just stack for, you know, a long time. Wow. So that's where you're like... Hands Scissoring melt, his legs like a motherfucker. Just like, dun, dun, back and forth, dun, dun, up, down, up, down. Um, it was inhuman yeah but he did it to the beat you and know? he had to so, bag his clothes i remember in that pro m99 <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean he was built like a mosquito wearing fubu you know he was like <laughs> he was that's my that's a my mosquito guy <laughs> wearing fubu. i love that yeah that's my he's my guy he was, a, he was a little dude he was kind of like the leader of the crew he's a dude that first taught me how to do like wild style graffiti like taught wow. me how to make connections you know yeah, <laughs> like, hell like, yeah like make sure that if you have if you have this part of an R, if you have an arrow coming off it and it going behind a letter, it's got to go somewhere. Like everything has to connect or it has to have yes. some kind of closure, which is life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> everything has to have some sort of closure. Wow. That's so deep. Complete the circuit. Yeah. And that still feeds into your, now we're probably jumping too far ahead. That still feeds into your aesthetic today. I still, I love your shit so much. That's cool. Likewise, man. Yeah. Mine's a little more, I'm constantly... My problem is that when it comes to like drawing, yeah, I'm constantly trying to draw new stuff and that keeps me from creating a body of work, you know? But then by the day by day I'm doing like design work and branding stuff and, you know, trying to direct and write screenplay, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, of course. So that's drawing to but me you're a is renaissance a man. cathartic outlet. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. No, you are. As I'm interested in a lot. I'm, I'm curious. I'm so interested in so much stuff. And yes, I will. Likewise. I dive. think that's why you're such a kindred spirit. Yeah. I'll like dial, you know, yeah. You and I are this kind of people that'll be like, oh, I wonder what that is. Or like we'll walk by a building and be like, I wonder who built that. And like immediately be on our phones and then talk about architecture for the rest of the night. Yeah, exactly. I just read a book on trees. This book called The Overstory by Richard Powers, which is amazing. It's 1,200 pages, something like that. It's huge. And now I'm like, bizarrely into trees i've been drawing trees i'm like looking at trees i'm looking up oh, that's i've never so been into like trees in my life have you ever seen that bruno munari how to draw a tree book no yeah you know bruno munari yeah, right yeah did, like, like design is art exactly yeah. exactly oh listeners to the podcast will know bruno munari italian futurist right sure. so he did this how to draw a tree book and then it's 
it was very simple, but just showed like the very basic illustrative constructions of various types of trees. That's cool. But then it was more about a meditation on uh, how something that you think is so simple can be approached from so many points of view. Yeah. How's your New York experience been, man? Two and a half years? Oh, yeah. Ba- been back in two and a half years. Actually, when me and Allie moved back to New York, we moved back into our old apartment. Whoa. In our old building. Just two floors down, actually. How, how did you do that? I just hit up my my old land uh, landlord. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Mavis. And she she was like, oh, yeah, we just had a... Uh, had a vacancy so feel free to come in we just and me and Allie just yeah we just basically picked up right where we left off like getting our groceries from the same spot so dope yeah it was it was wild and uh, now we've moved into a new building that's a little bit newer there's a you know there's a washer dryer in, in the building and there's a gym <laughs> which is nice um that old apartment literally had zero amenities honestly we were treated so well in portland did we ever in my in our apartment in portland I don't think so. Really? Because... Oh, I think one... I think maybe once. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I was ever in your apartment either. Because we spent so much time together, we never spent yeah. time... We were always zones. out. We were always outside. Yeah. yeah. We'd be we'd be out. We'd be at brunch. We'd be... Exactly. Having drinks. We'd be playing, you know, microscope games at bars. <laughs> and then we go... We danced a lot. We did We went to a lot a of, like, lot. design events. We did do all of that. That's yeah. so true. The... Uh, our apartment was the outside. Yeah, man. So yeah, you're so you're loving New York still. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, loving New York, and I think you know, coming, sliding into the into the recent gig or not recent. I guess it's two and a half years old because I, I started right when I got back. It, it's it's been such a learning experience, and for me, it's it's about being in a city that provides me the energy to do what I do, and I realize that I vibrated a certain a certain frequency, and mm-hmm. I'm sure that you realize that too, like being out here in LA now, and also having recently left Portland, mm-hmm. the frequency that I vibrate at fits a New York energy, mm-hmm. and I don't really have that middle ground. It's always like way up here or way down here, so when I'm out, I maximize my time, and then when I'm not out, I just, I'm at home literally doing absolutely nothing. You know? like what does that what does that mean? Like, what does absolutely nothing mean to Rich? Um, it's usually face planting in my bed and then uh, watching YouTube content on my cell phone. That's great. Yeah, that's not nothing, right? I mean, like, like what what are you watching? I I watch a lot of uh, uh, geek content. Yeah, and um, like, I, like what? Um, I'm on comic book resources a lot, okay. Because uh, I I still have comics, and uh, I think listeners know like I'm a big nerd. So, and I just came from New York Comic Con, which is super fun. Mm-hmm. So I, I like to keep up on current storylines, and also just uh, have a general understanding of what geek pop culture is at yeah. any given time. Also, I guess that does kind of relate to my my day gig in general. Um, but. Uh, I'll listen to this other podcast that I really fucking love called uh, The Weekly Planet. Hmm. And that's, um, there are these two Australian dudes that, that talk about geek culture and pop culture and what, video uh, games. Yeah, I watch that. And watch that. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and, and it's fun. Like, and they're just like, you know, they just clown constantly. And then, you know, I uh, listen to a lot of Mark Marin, listen to a lot of Bill Simmons mm-hmm. podcast, and um, listen to what else am I listening to? Uh, Malcolm Gladwell stuff and uh, on occasion. And mm-hmm. I was listening to this podcast, like What It Takes, also, it's kind of like inspirational stuff. Mm. Um, so just content like that. I'm, I'm 
I'm very, uh, I consume a lot of that. So in general, geek culture, um, uh, sneaker, sneaker, like streetwear type culture Mm -hmm. and, um, anything in between. That's cool. You know, it's a lot of shit. Yeah, man. I think that's, I was having this, so I was in Memphis last weekend doing a talk at the creative works conference. You're doing, uh, some amazing, like, talks and no, travel experiences just that I feel. just the memphis thing really like, well i mean the the memphis thing was pretty was pretty ill um josh horton and the whole creative works crew down there like um it was just a pretty magical experience being in memphis like um have you ever been there before? Never been in Memphis. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to talk about me. I wanted to get no, back no, to no. the conference. No, no, no. And this is um, an open. Yeah, 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 we have time. Okay. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to uh, reference you, you watching YouTube videos and talking about geek culture, right? Because um, in this talk, one thing we were talking about. So I'm like presenting to you know people in this crowd, and um, one of the things I showed was this like chart that I made a couple years ago for that TED talk. And on it was oh, that, this yeah. like language-based approach to life and creativity, right? Like some pedantic yes, thing that yes, I put yes. But some of it I still really believe in, like um, the idea of being intentional about how you absorb information. So even if you are taking in, even if your brain turns off and you're doing nothing, quote unquote, right. and you're watching the, the YouTube videos that let you shut off for a little bit, yes. you're still receiving value from those things, right? That, yes, yes. That affect you and your life and potentially synthesize into output. If you are energized by being inspired from stories from geek culture, whether it's the comic books themselves, right, right that are stories that you're seeing how people can create serialized storytelling, learning from illustrators that are cover artists, learning about the business of creating graphic art in modern culture. Like that's doing nothing, but that shit immediately uh, relates to every single thing that you do. Yeah, totally. Do you, do you think a lot of that is because in that, in that efficient synthesization synthesis of, of, you know, an intake of, of culture and content, right? Do you think that, um, you and I'm using you as an example. Sure. Uh, do, do you feel that it's you synthesize content efficiently because you are a a, a realized person, or because you have a fluid personality where yeah. you, it everything you do is purposeful in some way, even when you shut off? I think that to say um, synthesize information efficiently is not necessarily right when it comes to me because efficiency. Um, means that there is some kind of like immediate output that equals or is greater than what comes in. Interesting. And I definitely don't think that's the case. Sure. Because, you know, honestly, like since I started an instrument a couple years ago, um, I've always been in phases of like stuff I'm into. Right. You know, like I'm into this real heavy for like six months. I'm into this real heavy for four months. I'm into this real, but there's always an underlying interest in storytelling being connected to others through creativity and and articulating that connection, um, constantly making stuff in some form. You know what I mean? Like that is the thread. Yeah. But I'm not like the thread, the biggest thread. thread. Yeah. You know, it's never like, here's a collection of paintings I've been making for three years. Let's have a gallery show. Like I haven't done that yet. Hopefully I'll get to a point where I can be that focused. Right. But, um, one thing that I've been super into is, uh, Story, like story to screenwriting, storytelling, literally like reading books by people who are moth champions, yeah. you know, and learning how to articulate a story on a microphone to a person, um, 
reading books by like Robert McKee and Sid Sid Field, who wrote a book on screenwriting, reading stuff by Mamet and Steven Spielberg. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? Like diving into literary narrative and letting that just like be a part of me. And that's been something that I've been doing for like two years, real heavy. Like really? every day reading something about stories. So even if I'm looking at like, I go to IGN or I go to Geek and Sundry or I go to, you know, one of these things and I'm reading or like Myth Koreans or TV Tropes. Like these are all platforms that talk about story. Some of them story in literature and how to create stories in like fiction or nonfiction. IGN, if I'm reading a review of the new Joker. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I wish you had seen it. I would love to uh, talk. I, yeah. You would be so interesting to just talk about that. I can't wait. About to see that it. I promised my girlfriend I wait to see it with her. So I'm Got waiting until next weekend. Got it. But um but you know I'm reading about it and my thoughts there are like, you know, I was directing some videos and I'm really interested in direction and DP and production art and production design. You yeah, know? of course. So there's that angle of seeing it as a production. There's the art direction aspect. There's the writing aspect. Then there's the whole canon of creating a world, right? So you have people in DC that for decades have created this character. Now, this thinking of like how to create a character that hits culture and how that thing can evolve in culture and like still be relevant is really interesting. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, we look, you look at everything and you see it from all those kind of angles and and it's everything. I, Anton Pearson says this. He says everything is applicable. And I think that's a really interesting way of thinking about how to look at the world. Yeah. Nothing is superfluous. Nothing is throwaway in some way. Like, I think everything about, is applicable. Everything's applicable. Yeah. I think about like, I had this conversation with a Lyft driver two days ago and he was like, I don't like, I only like music. He said music was the best in the 1990s. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> And then I was like, I love music from the nineties. I, <laughs> I disagree with the POV, but that's fine. Yeah. You're like, cool. And he's 40. And I was like, cool. You and um, I are not that far off <laughs> from that. I know how old you are. <laughs> I was like, cool, man. I was like, that's funny. And I told him this, I was like, ha, that's cool, man. Yeah. I love, I love a lot of music from the nineties. And I said, that reminds me of an interview I just read where someone says that we all love the music that came out the year we were graduating high school. Yeah. And it was, I think Chuck Klosterman. Oh yeah. I love that. Chuck Klosterman. Um, and he was like, oh, huh. Oh, oh, weird, huh? And I could see his brain like twisting up because <laughs> uh, I just shattered his paradigm, you know, with, by telling him that everyone thinks that. Oh um, my God. But uh, but I think the other thing is that like a lot of people are like, new music is garbage. Paradigm gar- shatter. <laughs> yeah. New music is garbage, right? So that's something I hear a lot of people say. New okay. music is garbage. Just like sure. when Migos and them started, not Migos. Migos. We're Migos. So when you have like the mumble, mumble rap. Of course, yeah. Joe Budden versus Migos. Yeah. So a lot of people are like, I don't like mumble rap because you can't understand it. And those are cats that are like rap homies of mine. And I'm yeah. like, dude, how unfair. Right. Like you sound old, dog. Exactly. You know, or That's like, old hip hop head mentality yeah, so hard. Totally. And that is definitely a thing. Also, the idea that even though there's a lot of people that are putting out shitty music, shitty is subjective but you know probably like objectively pretty bad music yeah yeah exactly like even though that stuff's coming out creatively corrupted music yeah to get mad at someone in their bedroom that's 15 putting out you know dozens and dozens of songs that you don't like says a lot about the state of our world yeah because only now with technology and the internet and democratized tools on your computer can anyone do that that's totally unprecedented you know, in history of art, 
right now is the first time we can even say shit like, I don't like all this whack music. Yeah. And I think we have to remember that like one, it's never happened before. And we're right now negotiating what that means and how we think about what's good and what's bad in an oversaturated creative place like SoundCloud or music or whatever. Also, we have to remember that because this is so recent, like the democratization of tools, being able to have a podcast and have a conversation and have others listen to it wasn't something that people could do a decade ago. Yeah, that's true. You know? And um, even only like five years ago, for real, six years ago, maybe. And we, we have to remember that it might not always be like this too. Like, that's true. Like, like, Shit changes, <laughs> empires fall. <laughs> yeah, presidents can be crazy, exactly. maniacal dictators. Exactly, presidents and, can have their tax documents uh, <laughs> revealed. And and like, what if something happened with the internet companies where people couldn't upload their shit to SoundCloud anymore? Anymore, right? I'd be like, I wish I could have heard more of that shitty music. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know what, what I'm that saying? Shitty music. I'd be like, yeah. I want to hear. I w- I wish that young people got to have a voice and put it out um, because. If, yeah, I mean, we're like pretty, it's pretty cool that we get to have that shit. Yeah, know? I agree. I think though that creativity, to have an optimistic spin on that, I think that the creativity does find a way. And even in the 70s and 80s, when it was the coolest thing to have a, a garage band, like yeah. literally have a garage band, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. everyone had a garage band, then all kids started creating their own t shirt companies, mm-hmm. you know, and now everyone's a SoundCloud rapper. So I think it's just another manifestation of what that, yeah. that current thought on democratization is. Totally. So even if that, the faucet, turns off on yeah. whatever or if they take the faucets if they take the faucets <laughs> exactly yeah. someone will build a new faucet yeah yeah we'll find a new we'll find a new pipe to pump the water through <laughs> no. yeah for sure dude exactly um that's my plumbing analogy <laughs> it's a solid analogy <laughs> yeah, man. when you're best yet that's how plumbing works right yeah that is yeah, yeah i think man. so were you ever you ever make music uh, oh, actually, I used to dabble. Uh, speaking, going back to the elements of hip hop, um, <laughs> me, and my boy uh, Vince Nalupta, uh, B Boy Snail. We used to, we used to use our our. Hold home. on, hold on. Vince Nalupta. No, Vince Nalupta. Vince Nalupta, B Boy Snail. Yeah, B Boy Snail. Man, you can't make this shit up. No, you can't make that shit up. <laughs> you cannot make that shit up. That's so dope. <laughs> I know, but I was B Boy Itchy. Because it rhymed with Richie. Oh. Yeah, but then I, I turned it to Ichiban, like Ichiban number one. Uh-huh. Um, yep, so origin story. Dope. <laughs> so uh, me and Vince, we used to uh, borrow our friend Jerome's uh, DJ equipment because he just had a shit ton of DJ equipment. And we all, and back when we were in high school, and then we would <laughs> we would DJ uh, or follow him along when his uncle would uh, DJ weddings. So then we would just like, for this one summer, we we just DJed all these weddings and birthday parties using Jerome's uncle's DJ equipment. Yes. But then I realized, A, I'm not good at it, mm-hmm. right? And um, B, uh, yeah, I just had other methods of creativity. But it was still in that search period for me where I was like, I want to be creative a creative adjacent, but I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Or like, what's, what is that pathway? Just like opening a bunch of doors and then, you know, a couple of doors actually open. Then you just jump right through. That's cool. Man. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Wedding DJ. I know. Yeah, man. I was, uh, well, way back in like, um, elementary school, I would make, I would, I would watch like the Gary Shandling show. Oh yeah. The one on Fox or, was it the it one was that was like early 90 I mean it was like 91 92 got it the like, one that was like two camera yeah it, it. it was like a weird meta 
uh, sitcom. Yes. It was super weird, super advanced. Remember the episode where that dude uh, in the audience died? No. I, like he, <laughs> that sounds so dumb. Yeah, G- Gary <laughs> Gary Shandling goes into the studio audience because it's, it's like a meta sitcom, right? Yeah. Where they just break the fourth wall constantly. Yeah. Goes into the studio audience, talks to someone in the in the stands, and then he passes away from a heart attack because he's laughing too hard or something. I, miss, I might be misremembering. And then the whole episode becomes about Gary Shandling dealing with the repercussions of that guy dying in the it. audience of a sitcom. So good. So good. There's I know. A documentary about him I watched on a plane. That was pretty ill. It's like a two part documentary. Oh, the um, one for, on HBO. I think yeah, I saw yeah, yeah, that yeah. Too. Yeah, it was good. Judd Apatow, I think. Like, yes. Um, yes. But, uh, but yeah, I used to have like a radio show on a little like oh, so tape, did I. tape thing when I was like in fifth grade. Okay. And then I brought that to school one day and my teacher hooked me up with a um, lunchtime, I was a lunchtime radio DJ. So like in the lunchroom in that cafeteria, I'd, I'd have a little tape player and I'd bring it in and I'd be like, next up, off Paula Abdul. I'm sure it wasn't like to be like, next up off Paula Abdul's new album, Forever Your Girl, it's Opposites Attract featuring MC Scat Cat. And then like do a little dance and uh, and then like try to have like a elementary school conversation or talk about the weather, you know, like had programming. Oh my God. I don't I remember how so long Baby Adam. Yeah, man, it was, that was like, back in the day that's amazing wait so what was your what was your uh, PA setup like how were you amplifying it they gave me so it was in the cafeteria where you know the acoustics are great <laughs> yeah of course yeah. <laughs> well, everyone knows that cafeteria acoustics are fantastic just, yeah, just bouncing off like the shiny walls and exactly. like cardboard pizza <laughs> I know um, you just have a tape recorder that projects into three bullhorns that are all pointed at each other for yeah, some reason horrible um, I don't remember the PA setup. I think it was one speaker like on a stick and then tight and then, you know, fold out table and one little microphone like this on a desk. Right. It's like, yeah, it was tight. Nice. That's the same school that I ended up drawing the mascot for Longfellow Elementary in oh, Rochester, wow. Minnesota. Your first branding exercise. Man, I didn't realize like how formative that school might've been on me. It might probably like, it was for, yeah, that was crazy anyway. But yeah. And then I rapped. <laughs> And then I, was, oh, and I really? had a couple. I have like an album out with some homies. Get out of here! Get the fuck out of here! I did not know this about yeah, you. Yeah, man. Wait, wait, what's the album called? Can we find it? Two thousand four album, probably not. Yeah, uh, uh, two thousand four album. I have a Google machine right here. What was it called? It was called EPL and Snakebird. And I'm Snakebird and EPL is two brothers named Medium Zach and Brandon Alday from Minnesota. And those dudes are ill and uh, probably don't want me to talk about it. Oh, shit. Is it up there? Well, it's on Discogs.com. Oh, Oh, I see. Climbing a rope. Brandon's rap song. (laughs) Take two. Medium. Nightstick. Manifest density. Yeah, that was mine. I was like, let's switch the consonants. Make a density, son. Along that's came my, Polly. That's my, that's my only Track solo 12. on there. Oh, on wow. Yeah, man. Anyway, wow. This is blowing my <laughs> mind. Yeah. Two thousand four. Yeah. Two thousand four. Oh, look. Check this out. Okay, so Snakebird. Okay, so not on label. Format CD released two thousand four. Genre hip hop style conscious. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that that was actually. Uh, yeah. I didn't know that that was actually a descriptor that one could have. Conscious. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, we were pretty con- We were literally conscious. I can buy the CD. Did you design the cover? Yeah, man. Really? This? Oh, dude, this feels very of the time. Yeah, it feels I, like we were looking at um, 2004. It's all vectors. It's like... Yeah, like bursts. Burst. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like uh, looking at a lot of you know Cody Hudson. Shout yes. out, shout out, guy. Shout out the guy Cody. Yeah, and like the oh, old... he's at Nike now. He's he's an artist in residence now. Cody oh, really? Hudson. Yeah. Oh, cool. 
I wish I was still there to say, say it up to him. And like, you know, Brent, I don't know him personally. Brent Rollins and like all the Chicago stuff that was going on and right. all the flat stuff that was going on. Like the old, the old Jeff and um, who's the other cat that was doing the really good vector stuff in the early 2000s. Oh, I have like man. his studio book. Je- not, um, not Jeff McFetridge, but it was definitely of that like, uh, like early swindle yeah. era. Yeah. And now he makes really incredible and I don't know about now because it's been fucking 10 years, but right. really incredible, like layered flat vector stuff, um, like screen, like large screen printed posters. Oh, um, what? Uh, it's I, I, the visuals. Mick, are, it's something Mick, like visuals on the tip of my yeah. tongue. Anyway. Anyway, this feel, yeah, this makes me oh, I'm getting so nostalgic. Makes me want to drive like a Scion. Scion, yes. <laughs> I used to want to drive like a Scion because remember Scion put out all like oh, those yeah. um, those mix CDs and they had a magazine and they, like, yeah. it was like a peanut butter wolf like mix CD. Yeah. This this very much feels of that era. I fucking love yeah, this. Yeah, they used to give us Scion used to do back in Minneapolis. They actually did a really good job of like throwing a lot of shows, right? So they yes. would come to town, give everyone free socks and like wow, <laughs> yeah. I know some people that still have Scion socks. Actually, I love um, that. Yeah, from like 15 years ago. Holy shit. Yeah. I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to drop some of this music into the episode, if you don't mind that. I don't know. <laughs> we'll talk about it. You're the one who brought it up. You're right. Well, yeah, so I used to rap. Um, yes. And that's it. We can talk about it. And right, I've been fine. singing a lot lately. I've been trying to learn how to sing. Have you really? Yeah. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. Huh. Like watching YouTube videos. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Wow, you're such so, a, a, a professional experimenter. Yeah, professional experimenter. P.E. Yeah, exactly. P.E. Yeah, um, what are you doing out here now? We haven't even talked oh, about yeah. that. So I moved to LA. I got a job at Apple Music. Yeah. So I was at Instrument. Um, shout out Instrument for yeah. about a year and a half. I was an associate creative director there on their content team. You're also the founder, uh, co-founder of The Pressure. Yep. So yeah, created The Pressure years ago, like literally the year after that album came out, 2005, I created The Pressure. Yeah. Um, made some stickers, started putting it on the back of albums, and then- the pressure is good for you. Pressure is good for you. It was like a poster. Exactly. Sticker. Well, that one neon sign, the pressure is good for you. I remember it was on everyone's mood board yeah, for forever. Literally, every creative, every every visual thinker that I ever talked to in reference to you, it was like, oh yeah, that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, sure you it, get that all the time. No, not anymore. It, it, it hit the per- perfect... Uh, the perfect moment of being neon of Tumblr being popular, Pinterest yes. coming alive yes, and everyone loving like it was a motivational statement that looked a little cooler than other ones. Yeah, you know, exactly. Except for me, it was never a motivational statement. It was literally a business marketing thing. The pressure was the name of my company. The pressure is good for you means hire me. Interesting. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what that means. And it's got a diamond, you know, it's like, right. It was that perfect convergence. Yeah, did so you, it worked for everything. Yeah, it did. Holy shit. It was yeah. so open to interpretation and also like nuanced thought. Some author I heard who was on Mark Marin very recently he was talking about how Tumblr was an anti-4chan uh, thought. Mm-hmm. So it was like a, a femme empowerment thought on internet visual culture that was meant to offset male toxicity. Is that true? Yeah, Is well, that its actual origin? It's not, not that it was intended for that, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, like certain demographics gravitate towards mm-hmm. certain yeah. things, certain products based on, you know, cultural and community values. Mm-hmm. And then that's what Tumblr ended up becoming in until a lot of I, ways. Until it. Until Yahoo? Yeah. Yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. Well, you know. I mean, but things change. Things change. Yeah. But then also Instagram became that for yeah, everybody. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So wait, so founded the pressure. 
Yeah, did and the, then you were at Nike for a so, while. So I actually, yeah, did the pressure for a little bit. I was working at an agency in Philly in the late 2000s at 160 yes. over 90 over there. Yep. And then- um, And that's how you knew Heather Beck? That's when I knew Heather Beck. Yeah, shout out to Heather Beck who connected both of us when I- That's right. Ended coming out to oh, Portland. I forgot about that. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, started, uh, Nike recruited me in like 2009. So they pulled me from Philly, moved me to Portland. What was that um, experience like for you? Because um, that's was, a unique experience that- you and I both share, but also yeah. it's not a lot of the listeners can, you know, it's like kind of a dream for a lot of our listeners. Yeah. I mean, at the time I, I was probably going to move back to Minnesota or move to New York. So like my homie, Brian Haker was out there. A lot of, a lot of good friends were there, Eric Inkela and just a bunch of homies. And I was like, I'm going to move to New York and see what life is like there as a designer and an artist, you yeah. know, um, and randomly got a call. And it, and I was like, huh, that's how this it is works. Interesting. Yeah, and I was like, this is this is cool. But to be completely honest, like I'm not a huge sports fan. Uh, I, I'm not into sports at all. Um, and I wasn't huge into shoes or sneaker culture. Mm-hmm. But I understood the challenge and the value of being a part of an organization like that. And the you know the just the design gravity that it has yes. on Earth. You know, yeah. like what would it be like to be in that system and just change my point of view around creativity inside of something like that and um yeah they put they pulled me over there part of it though like like you know nike is very they kind of have like intentionally convoluted nomenclature you know so yeah just like i just did they have like uh <laughs> fuck they have uh a confusing way that they set up like titles and categories of course so when i got and it there, changes all the time changes constantly so when i got there i thought i was going to be working in branding like i thought i was going to get there and be in brand design which i just came from a branding agency and right. i was like cool i'm gonna get there and like design posters and billboards and whatever and then when i arrived i've actually found out that i was working in product so for me it was like it wasn't like a bait and switch i was just like what do i do here yes and, and then i met dudes like nate van hook and graham mcmillan and uh, Anne Marie Paz and like, you know, all these incredible industrial and product designers right. that basically kind of like put me in check a little right. bit. And we're like, you'll be successful if you take it easy. You know, you help us tell stories and you like learn, you know, just right. learn, 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 shut up and learn. And, and I just, you got some amazing uh, anecdotes about talking to Kanye West at weird hours of the night. Yeah, too, right? that, was, that was years later for a different project. Actually, that wasn't at Nike. Gotcha. Yeah. That was that was years after. Oh, they actually, pulled you in for that one. Yeah, I was working on the Easy Two at, at Nike with Nate Van Hook right. and, uh, and Red Octobers for Easy Reference. Yeah, um, and then uh, and then when I left, I started the pressure. So like you know, in the, over the next year, I created the business, got incorporated, got the trademarks and all that shit, the, the, uh, and then um, brought Anton out. We worked on some Nickelodeon stuff. We worked oh, on yeah. Nike stuff. So Anton was like my first full-time hire and he was also one of my really good friends from Minneapolis. We used to be in a DJ crew together. Um, again, shout out Anton Pearson. Um, and, you know, I kind of out the gate, we had like big Nike projects that help launch the studio. Yeah. Um, and then had all this other freelance that started coming in and I was like, oh, we can do this. Then we got a space, hired a studio assistant that turned into a studio manager, my friend Bree. Shout out and, to Bree. Uh, yeah. Oh, also out here. Yeah, she's in New York. Yeah. Oh, I mean, oh, in New York. Yeah. In, where my, in are my head. Yeah, yeah. Where the fuck are we? Um, oh, yeah. And I, I hang out with Brie all the time, too. Yeah, it's rad. Um, and then after a couple of years, shut that down because it just wasn't going well for me. Like the person I was running the business, my ex, we'd broken up and I didn't 
I wasn't able to keep it afloat on my own and I wasn't, you know, didn't have anyone to help keep it afloat. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, Anton and Brie gracefully kind of like left and then I was working on stuff on my own and then I was like, I was like, maybe I'll just like go freelance or something. What am I going to do? And then JD from Instrument called and started an instrument. It was all fun too. I mean, like it was, it wasn't horrible. You know what I mean? Like, even though I was like, I'm going to be done with the pressure it still felt good because I feel like the pressure had been me since 2005 and then it turned into freelance and then it turned into an art thing yes. and then it turned into a business for yeah. like three years and then went back to being free. You know what I mean? It's kind of been like an, an evolving idea yes. that could be a lot of things. Yeah. And, I kind fluid. Of, and I kind of like that. I kind of like that it people would be like, oh, you're the guy from the pressure. What is that? I know it's cool. I, I know that this stuff is interesting and I want to know what it is, but like, what, what is it? You know? And I kind of like that, um, the enigma behind it. Yeah. But anyway, they went to instrument and I was there for a year and a half and that was incredible. Learned a lot, mostly around like video and motion content and yeah. a lot of like content strategy for huge digital organizations, you know, yes. like Netflix and like Instagram and all stuff. Um, and then got a call from Apple and, uh, it was specifically for Apple music and I knew that I probably couldn't hack it at Apple in like Cupertino, um, just because I'm I don't think I'm that good or smart to be honest. Like I just don't think I, I disagree with it. that. But I, um, you know, but this was for Apple Music, and uh, it's a little more in my wheelhouse. And it kind of became what does that mean? In my wheelhouse? Oh no! What does it mean? <laughs> oh yeah. Can you explain a wheel and then a house and then combine the two? No, what what do you do? Can you say? Well, or you is know it, what is, what this is secretive? a wheelhouse? Is that like on a car? Is it where the wheel goes in a car? Oh, wow, that's a great. No, that's or is, is it like question. where you put like if you have a wagon? Is it where you put the tires for the yeah, wagon? Yeah, it's yeah, and also so if something's in your wheelhouse, which means that it's more within you have more control over it, or something that like you have some sort of you're beholden to in some way, or it's beholden to you in some way. Mm-hmm. Where did that term originate? Does that mean? I wish we had an assistant. We could be like, hey. Hey, uh, research this, <laughs> fact hey, check hey, this. Yeah. Hey, can you, can you help, uh, look that up? <laughs> we, yeah, we need a, a production assistant yeah. on this. It's wheelhouse. Yeah. Wheel. No H O U S E. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Like that. I'm pretty good at delegating to imaginary assistants, <laughs> imaginary interns. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then, uh, went to Apple music and it feels like, Wait, so what, what do you do there? Can you say, um, or is it a I secret? Work it uh it's incredibly secretive Understood. on purpose so like our titles are all really vague um intentionally so i'm on the creative team for apple music got and it i work in apple media products so i work in product in apple music tight no no that makes sense no, <laughs> and, and, uh, and i and understand what that yeah. the level of yeah. you know it's really it's corporate. really really dope and the people there are incredibly interesting um you know, everyone has such a rich dope background that's there and uh the cool thing is that my interests are in media and storytelling yes. and music and culture. And like, it's kind of, um, and, and at the end of the day, like the experience of human beings trying to receive great content, you know? Right. And that is kind of what this is all about. It's kind of what Apple music is about. It's like, it, it really wants to be the best version of getting people music yeah. It doesn't, you know, it's not Spotify. You know, I, lo- I actually use Spotify too and I love Spotify. I use Apple Music too and I love Apple Music. And I use them kind of for different things now. For sure. And the cool thing is that Apple is actually set up to 
be really good at what it does. Yeah. It just kind of has a history that it's been built on of like tangled back end systems. You know, yes. Coming off yes. Of iTunes and stuff. And, and I understand that yeah, history so, too. So, um, the entanglement. Yeah, I mean, so we're there to make it better. No, that's cool. I, I think what's interesting now also being in a space where I'm, under duress to help facilitate the creation of content as well. You know, yeah. you're, you're, it's always realizing that it's an ecosystem and that there is really no exclusivity when it comes to the way that you absorb your content. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, making the funnels better. Cause I guess even, um, you know, pre cable when there were only, you know, four or five network or three networks and then Fox came along, you know, yeah. um, you know, that content was funneled into something. Um, and then now we're just trying to reconfigure the funnels. So it's the, it's the content wars for sure. Do you ever... Are we competitors? I don't think we are. Might, maybe. We might be. <laughs> we, we might be. We have um, to square up. Do you, uh, do you ever talk about your job on here? I do. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. As a VP of digital design at uh, MTV VH, VH1 CMT logo, I do. Uh, my last episode that I did live, that's actually the last one published up to this point, was actually at Viacom Building with my coworkers. Yeah? Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't I didn't listen to that one, but I saw no, the, I saw okay. the I saw the uh, the pictures of all the people, and I was like, check that out. Yeah, um, that was cool. That's dope. Yeah, um, I, I do get to talk about it. I just don't get very specific about my day to day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you want to hear some dirt? I'll tell you a shit ton of dirt though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you who sucks and who doesn't suck. No, just kidding. Everyone's <laughs> super lovely. Everyone is super lovely. The podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's no, just a shit talking podcast. No dirt here. Yeah, no, I I love what I do, and I'm stoked that you're in the space too. You know. Yeah, man. Yeah, how do you like LA? Yeah, I love I love LA. I like I like it more than I thought I ever would. I feel like the most I've always thought I was the most not LA person ever mm-hmm. because I had uh, connotations around what this city was going to be. Right, right, right. And it's funny, like um, I don't know that Cuban link says differently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the chain. <laughs> I got this in, I got this in, oh, I actually got this in LA. <laughs> I got this in LA two years ago with my homie, Lisa Calgaro. We were down here for a shoot for uh, working with my friends at OMFG Co. Mm. Shooting down here for like Airbnb or something like that. And we were downtown on like Broadway. And I was like, I want to try to find a necklace that looks like this. And I showed her a picture on my phone. And then we walked to this like little Mexican, Mexican like, jewelry joint. And it was like 30 bucks and it's like real silver. So dope. Oh, dope. Yeah. Anyway, who cares? Um, I love LA and uh, I, I have, I'm excited to explore, dude. I know that this city is very different than anything I've ever experienced from like Minneapolis or Portland or um, Philly or the small town Rochester that I came from. Yeah. And uh, I am stoked to realize that it's a city full of human beings. Yes. And, and um, kind of like remember that when I start feeling lost or feeling like overwhelmed by the chaos uh I'm like, oh no, there's, these are just a bunch of people. And the other thing I'm trying to remember, this morning I actually had a lift ride with my new friend Godwin, who's from Nigeria. He's a lift driver. Tight. And Shout out to Godwin. Shout out to Godwin. I know you're not listening, my man, but I appreciate you. <laughs> Godwin has this deep, booming voice with a hard Nigerian accent. And he was wearing, sun- he's like 60, and he was wearing sunglasses and a Hawaiian shirt. <sighs> Driving That's a the red, only way to do it. Driving a red Kia Soul. And I walked in and he was like, hello, Adam. And I was like, what up? Um, and I'm sure he's okay letting me do his accent. Um, but I'm like, man, how you doing? What do you do outside of Lyft? And he was telling me how he has this incredible, like, uh, he has this incredible startup that he's doing in Nigeria 
first first thing that we talked about, I told him I recently moved here a month ago, and he was like, "How do you like LA?" And I I said, uh, "I'm really liking it." And I told him that for the first time, I feel like um, I feel like I know people that have come to LA because they want something from the city, and luckily, because of the job, I've had the opportunity to come here and be kind of set up. You yes. know, not like not in a great way, but like we're not struggling right now you know like um with the move the right. move was easy thank you to the company you know and um and i don't feel like i want from the city i'm not coming here because i want to be this or meet this person or that i want to come here and do a good job experience yes. the city you know kick it with my girlfriend and have fun and you know um i also am excited like from my, what i've learned in portland i kind of i want to like give energy back however yes, i can yes. so you're one of the most general generous creative people let alone people i think i know that's cool yeah um no and i say that i don't i don't say that shit to many human beings at all i think i mean that's the way that is the way that i find value like in myself you know what i mean and and it doesn't feel like giving shit away if someone's like hey do you want to meet and talk about this thing like have this project and I'd be like sure you know um or, you know, that kind of shit. Right. Just a generosity with your time, generosity yeah. with your energy. And I think, you know, I, I'm personally in a space where I'm like, I, I, I want to protect my energy, but I also want to maintain the generosity at the same time, you yeah. know? It's a difficult balance. For sure. And I want to be there. I mean, I want to be more rich-like, I think, in like um, reminding myself and remembering what it is I need to do to find peace in the chaos of a new city like LA. So I know now that I love reading, I love writing, I love drawing. I know the things I'm inspired by. I know the kind of, kind of conversations I want to have. And if I don't have those, you know, um, my levels will get depleted. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm, the whole self-care thing, I'm like a little wary of using those words for myself because I don't want it to come off as like too selfish. I don't I think just, that's selfish at all. Yeah, I think I just, self-care is important. Self-care is important. Um, sometimes it's, I think I think there's problems sometimes when uh, it can be selfish. Yes. Well, then it becomes selfish and then yeah, it's not self-care. That's true. But those were the words, the semantics. But um, but yeah, uh, uh, Godwin said this thing, right? Back to Godwin. Our boy Godwin. So I was like, man, I feel good because I feel like I didn't come here wanting and I'm excited to maybe even have energy left if I take care of myself to like do stuff and give. Right. And be intentional about it. And he was like, He's like, yes, Adam, yes. Yeah. He goes, if you- He sounds like he has great energy. He goes, if he screamed it. Wow. He goes, if you have, if you chase money, money will run away. If you, if you, uh, he goes like, if you're a lion and you chase the gazelle, it runs away. But if you wait and it thinks it likes you, it will come towards you. <laughs> like, And he's like, if you help others, if you solve problems- there are always problems to be solved. So you find what you do that helps solve other people's problems and money will follow. That's so true. Facts, big facts. Yeah. And I'm like, we've all heard that before to hear it articulated that way. Um, today like the especially the problem solving part totally i was like, also within a survivalist cool. context too it's, it's <laughs> yeah. true it's like oh yeah. shit i got it yeah the gazelle yeah yeah <laughs> Damn, that's dope it was pretty cool yo shout out to godwin shout out to godwin with the wisdom and godwin actually has a has a project that he's doing in nigeria so when he when he drives lyft he's sending the money um back to his company in nigeria which not only helps support the community so he's yeah. creating a bunch of jobs uh there's a ton of malnutrition in, yes. in nigeria um a lot of diabetes. Like he said that one in 10 people have diabetes there. 
because of uh, just the carbs that are part of the diet. Right. And the people there used to be a lot more active. They're not as active anymore because the whole uh, climate and the way people exist in cities have changed. Right. So now people are still eating the same kind of food and um, they're becoming kind of like malnourished, right? So he's trying to create systems around education and create new food um, food manufacturing systems to create healthy options that will go in grocery stores. Yeah. Uh, for for those people, that's amazing. It's pretty cool. That is dope. Yeah. Wow. So, a it's fucking amazing to have you here, and this has been an amazing conversation. As we're winding down, um, I feel like we haven't started, Rich. <laughs> I know. Well, we're gonna go drink after this, so we're just gonna oh, keep yeah. talking. Let's bring more. the mics. Exactly. We should bring the mics. Um, shout, shout out to my girlfriend Candy, by the way. Shout out to Candy. We just started following each other on Instagram. Yeah. She she said that you have a very fun Instagram, by the way. <laughs> And you know what? I didn't answer her. I just got angry. <laughs> like I was like, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? <laughs> I'm just joking. Shout out to Candy. Shout out to Candy. I've actually never met her in person, but she seems super lovely. And you two make an incredibly cute couple. An yeah, incredibly does, attractive couple. She does most of the work on the cute end. Yeah, is it a 60-40, 70-30? Something like that. <laughs> So as we're winding down, um, I'd love for you to just uh, let the listeners know anything that's popping up for you, anything that you want them to care about when the next uh, couple months. I don't know when I'm going to drop this, to be honest. I'm oh, just yeah. like really collecting. all. We have episodes. so much editing to do. Oh, yeah. Well, the editing process is usually I drop on a Monday. Uh-huh. And I'm very much, I'm very vigilant about um, when I'm in the middle of a season and it's not a special drop, I'll drop every consecutively every Monday. Yeah. So I'll start editing usually the Monday previous or the Tuesday previous. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just kind of like tweak, tweak, tweak over the course of a week or, or, um, and this is worst case scenario, I'll just do a flurry of edit on a Sunday, just listen right through and just like cut sliver, 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 sliver. Yeah. You know, that's but this, dope. that's why I like uh, when you were offlining about, uh, I was talking about coming on the podcast. I was like, I need people that I have an immediate rapport with mm-hmm. so that I don't have to edit that much. Because yeah. then if I'm discovering people, like which I love to do, um, it's it's harder uh, when I'm traveling or it's harder when I'm whatever. Yeah, because then the edit just becomes painful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can check out my website. Uh, right now, I don't have work up on it. It's just kind of like... Uh, Apple.com, right? <laughs> Yeah, check out my website, apple.com. Uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, adamrgarcia.studio or adam.studio will take you to it, which is a real dope URL. And I'm surprised that you're not, your minds aren't that blown that adam.studio goes to my website. That's so dope. It's so dope. Yeah, it is dope. Anyway. I, I didn't know you could do a dot .studio. Yo, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, so check out Adam.studio. It's just got a bunch of information. It links to my Instagram. Tight. Um, and it links to uh, my my podcast, which I think there's like 12 episodes up. It's called Dope Excerpts. And how often do you do that? Oh, not often. Got so it. yeah, I, I did it for like a month before I moved down. Yeah, I saw Or, or like a couple months. And um, basically, I'm waiting to get into my new apartment so that I have my setup again because I've been in town housing. It. But, um, how often do you record that? Is that do you just well, there's only twelve? It? There's literally only twelve episodes up, right. and I think I recorded them over the course of a month. Got so, it. So, so there wasn't like a, a definitive cadence. Yeah, it was like anytime I it was kind of like in my apartment. Anytime it was quiet enough for me to record, 
um, I would record. Wow. And, but a lot of the times I couldn't. And like my apartment right now is in Santa Monica on a busy street and there's nowhere to record. Understood. So I've been trying to find like, where could I do this and make it a regular thing? And there's no it, space at Apple. Um, or you I'm just sh- haven't gotten, I'm sure there is, but yet. I just started and I've been traveling so much for work. I haven't, you know, gotten a chance to, but, um, gotcha. Um, but yeah, dope excerpts. It's where I just find like interesting, inspiring or informative, uh, books around my apartment and magazines and read an excerpt and they're like short, like 10 minutes long. And, uh, believe it or not, my like reading voice sounds better, better than this. It's like audiobook style, you know, from a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. So, um, oh yeah, you're like, uh, you are actually a dungeon master. <laughs> uh, yeah. In the game. Yeah. In the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in real life. DM me. Dungeon master me. <laughs> um, actually when you said you, that you were going to start that podcast, I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Just because your your reading voice, just knowing what your voice is. I was like, yes, you'd be perfect for that. Dude, I feel like I want to read something right now. Do it. Actually. Yeah. That would be a great outro. Do yeah. we could let's pick up something. Can I pick up something? Yeah, give me something and I'll read it right now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll do that. All right. I'm gonna in the meanwhile. I'm gonna, in the meanwhile, I'm gonna do some vocal exercises. Ready? Do it. <clears throat> Dope. All right. This is a totally unseen piece, and I'm going to do an example of dope excerpts. This is from the fuck? This is from a magazine. I think this is a magazine called TBH. 51 True Story Collabs by Hunter March. Oh, shout out to Annika Lidberg, too, who did the cover and the hand typography on that. Yeah, nice work. And the dude on the front, I suppose this is Hunter March. He is, uh, he's got a paintbrush in his hand, so make it look like he painted the writing on the wall, but he definitely did not. He's wearing um, he's wearing some jeans that are just a little scrunched up around his uh, his feet. Looks like some white ked like sneakers. He's sitting on an upside down white bucket, black t shirt, sleeves rolled up, Apple Watch. Shout out Apple, and uh, <laughs> like they need shouting out. <laughs> Everyone's listening to this shit on like a fucking app, and uh, and his hair is like that's for the Pixel listeners. <laughs> yeah, his hair is like perfectly tilted 13 degrees to the upper left like he's in a slight wind mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right tbh 51 true stories true story collabs this one's title is first job unless your parents are royalty either like british royalty or the kardashians there comes a time in your life when you need to get a job i personally knew i'd reached that point when my mom sat me down looked me in the eyes and said you need to get a job. For some reason, when I graduated from high school, she was suddenly not so cool with giving me free money to do whatever I wanted. I didn't get it either. Like, she was my mom. That's when I realized it was time for me to become an adult. That's what the fuck is up, y'all. That's a little bit of dope excerpts for that ass. Free sample, no charge. That was amazing. I'm sure everyone's ears are on fire with dopeness. Thanks for stopping by, Adam. Rich, thank you so much, man. Love you, brother. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. That was really ridiculous up top, but also that's just how it goes when you have two friends on the microphones. So make sure that you check out Adam's work. Although if you listen to this podcast, it's very likely that you've already seen it and you're already a fan. Make sure you check out Apple Music. 
see all that good stuff that his team is putting out there. But that's it. You can find this podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast content. Please rate us, drop a review. It helps spread the good word. Go to firstgenburden.com for all of the episodes. On Instagram, we're at firstgenburden. You can find me, your host, at rich underscore tu. Again, thank you to Listening Party, Canal Street Market. Follow them at, at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market. Thanks to Desjin team for their support. Thank you for checking out Season 5 of First Gen Burden. Come back next week, dropping every Monday. Be safe, everyone. Bye. <laughs>